Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. Well, how many of you guys are getting excited for Christmas right around the corner? Come on, some of you. Um, this, this, this season's always a great season and great opportunity to just fellowship with one another and encourage one another and, uh, and just bless one another, um, talking with, spending time with people. Uh, we're going to kick off um, our Christmas theme this morning, um, and the title of that is Hope Has Come. Hope has come. Jesus is the hope that arrived for our life. Hope has come. Amen? How many of you guys believe that? Hope gives us perspective on life. Amen? You know, it's interesting as we think about the idea of hope, we think about um, all of the anticipation that it brings in us. In fact, is what one of the motivating drivers for us as a people in humanity to get up every day and to believe that something can be better, something can be different. Hope, um, this, this driving thing that is built within us, this desire to participate with life, to believe that, okay, in this moment, there can be something good and something better. I want to, I want to read you a little illustration because when I talk about Jesus, Um, Jesus is hope. And when I talk about everything that Jesus provides for us, and we're going to talk about one little sliver of that this morning in that he is hope, I want you to think about it in terms that everything God has for us, he has given to us through his son, Jesus. Amen? And so I want to read this. Um, Years ago, there was a very wealthy man who with his devoted young son shared a passion for art collecting. Together they arrived around the world. They traveled around the world, adding only the finest art treasures to their collection. Priceless works by Picasso, Van Gogh, Monet, and many others adorned the walls of the family estate. The widowed father looked on with satisfaction as his only child became an experienced art collector. But the day came when war engulfed the nation, and the young man left to serve his country. After only a few short weeks, his father received a telegram that his beloved son had been killed while carrying a fellow soldier to a medic. On Christmas morning, a knock came at the door of the old man's home, and as he opened the door, he was greeted by a soldier with a large package in his hand. He introduced himself to the man by saying, I was a friend of your son. I was the one he was rescuing when he died. May I come in for a few moments? I have something to show you. I'm an artist, said the soldier, and I want to give you this. As the old man unwrapped the package, the paper gave way to reveal a portrait of his son. Though the art critics would never consider the work a piece of genius, the painting did feature the young man's face in striking detail and seemed to capture his personality. The following spring, the old man became ill and passed away. The art world was in anticipation. According to the will of the old man, all of the artworks would be auctioned. The day soon arrived, and art collectors from around the world gathered to bid on some of the world's most spectacular paintings. The auction began with a painting that was not on any museum's list. It was the painting of the man's son. The auctioneer asked for an opening bid. The room was silent. Who will be opening, open the bidding with $100? He asked, 
Minutes passed with not a sound from those who came to buy. From the back of the room, someone callously called out, who cares about that painting? It's just a picture of his son. Let's forget it and go on to the important things. There were other voices which echoed in agreement, but the auctioneer replied, no, we have to sell this one first. Now who will take the son? Finally, a friend of the old man spoke. I knew the boy, so I'd like to have it. I will bid the hundred dollars. I have a bid for a hundred, called the auctioneer. Will anyone go higher? After a long silence, the auctioneer said, going once, going twice, gone. The gavel fell. Cheers filled the room and someone was heard to say, now we can get on with it. But the auctioneer looked at the audience and announced the auction was over. Stunned disbelief quieted the room. Someone spoke up and asked, what do you mean it's over? We didn't come here for a picture of some old guy's son. What about all of these paintings? There are millions of dollars worth of art here. We demand that you explain what's going on. The auctioneer replied, it's very simple. According to the will of the father, whoever takes the son gets it all. <clears throat> Amen. This is the gospel story. This is the narrative of the good news of Jesus Christ for you. Whoever gets the son gets all of his promises and benefits. And this morning, we want to unpack a little glimpse of what that is. And this morning, we want to talk about Jesus is hope. Amen? Amen. But, but in order to talk about the idea of hope, we have, to, we have to talk about the condition that would lead us to even desire or to see that we are in need of hope. We're in need of rescue. We're in need of a redeemer. This makes the gospel story more potent and more incredible and more good and kind. In Romans chapter 15, verse 4, it says, for, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. The apostle Paul in his writing to the letter to the Romans was, in, was instructing them the idea that if you lean into the text that we've been previously given, therein lies the message that you need. Therein lies the story of hope. Amen? Hope is a great encourager in our day-to-day -day lives. It gives us the ability to understand that our life can have a future of promise and even a clearer path. Hope is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. How many of you guys asked a little kid about what they want for Christmas? Sometimes you might even phrase it this way, what are you hoping for for Christmas? And then to see their face light up or, or for them to be real with you and honest and tell you what it is they're looking for, maybe their new gadget or the new thing. Or I, I remember one Christmas, our kids were pretty young, very young, and, and I asked and, and we're talking, and I overheard them and I knew, I knew, a bicycle. And I think we, well, a sale came on and we just happened to be able to be able to do that for them and, and talking with them. And then I knew that their hopes had been answered when I walked into their bedroom one night <laughs> and I see that one of my sons is sleeping with his bicycle. <laughs> How many of you know? 
For him, hope was answered. The answer arrived. It was there. Hope has come. The answer isn't in the bicycle. It isn't even in what you desire for Christmas. The answer came 2,000 years ago, and his name was Jesus. Amen? So, It is the thing that we hold on to to see us through difficult times and to give us a vision of better things to come. But in order to to begin to realize that, we have to realize that Jesus is the reason for the season. Jesus is hope. And without Jesus, all of mankind would be completely hopeless in dealing with the disease and consequence of sin. In order to understand the reason for our desire and and this idea to be fulfilled and to yearn to look forward to another day, we have to understand our current present dilemma. And that is that humanity is sick with the disease of sin. Come on, are we tracking? Like, Like right innate, that we are in desperate need of a savior. In Ephesians chapter two, Verse 11 through 13, Paul writes, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. Gentiles, I'm just pausing here, that would be almost all of us unless you are of Hebrew descent. We are Gentiles. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, the work of Jesus. So it's important to understand as a first position that we are all sinners, separated from God before Christ in desperate need of a savior. In fact, uh, so much so that there's nothing that we can do on our own to earn the grace and merit of God. In Romans chapter three, verse 20, in the message translation says this, and it's clear enough, isn't it? That we're sinners. Every one of us in the same sinking boat with everyone else. It's clear our starting position, which means that our good is not good enough and we are unable to earn the grace of God that, that within us the, the first position in propensity is to serve self and to do what it is that we want to do first and not to serve God and to honor him with our life in ways that there's this gulf between us that we could never cross on our own. We can't build the bridge there except God in his wondrous mercy made a way, first position, so that we could have relationship with him, that he provided a path to himself for himself. And I I love this. When we talk about the gospel story And when we talk about the arrival of Jesus, I want to read this in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. It says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. 700 years before the birth of Christ, Isaiah was writing 
almost word for word the events of what would unfold on the night of his birth and then the promise of what was to come. And then in Luke chapter 2, 700 years later, verse 11 through 12, says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Emmanuel, God with us. God himself was going to step into the world to provide the payment and the way and the cure for the hopelessness of man. Think about this. Jesus is hope. He is the redeemer. He is the rescuer. He is the one who gives life. Jesus, the birth of Jesus brought light into dark places and light into the darkness. In Matthew 4, 16, it says, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Matthew is quoting Isaiah chapter 9. And this is an interesting text here that Matthew would write because he writes about this. Uh, he's writing about people living in darkness. And it's a reference to the area of Galilee in Israel. Um, if you were in Jerusalem and you looked at Galilee and what we have come to see is that Galilee was far enough out of the city center and very rural and was considered the land of darkness. This is writings about Galilee. And the tribes that had inhabited Galilee were the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali, two of the 12 tribes of Israel. And they had to deal with constant threat of invasion and other tribes from other places coming into battle with them. And so there, there was a name that they would call that, living in darkness in the land of the shadow of death. Can you imagine that? Like that was your region. Where are you from? I'm from Galilee. Oh, yeah, we know that place. We know that place. How, how dark is it really over there? You know, were they referring to an atmosphere? I mean, we, knew, we know that electricity wasn't a thing, but, but, but this over-encompanying mindset about a region, an area, a place. Matthew writes about that. Oh, Galilee, the land of darkness. They're covered by the shadow of death. A great light has come. Think about that. I want, I want to... Think about this. Think about our lives before Christ. Think about our life as we journey in the life of Christ. Think about the areas that we sometimes find the tension in life that seems like, Lord, I need your light to come into this place of my life, into this part of my residence, into this area of my neighborhood. I need your light to come into this scape of our city and our county and our state. Lord, we need you to invade with your presence and your kindness and your grace and your mercy into every area that we would preside and live and reside and move through, that we would have relationship with people and they would see that your light in us is you at work around our area. Amen? 
And then in John chapter 8, verse 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Darkness is absent of light. We would not understand light if we didn't understand darkness. Hopelessness is the absence of hope. We'd never understand hope if we didn't understand our desperate need or the feeling of hopelessness. You see, the contrast begins to, the scale of contrast begins to grow as you begin to understand the vast expanse of life experience. Think, think about this. We are in desperate need of a savior. Now, some people who've lived a good life and have followed the rules and, and have done everything as they've been told, maybe, maybe their scale of, of what they've come to, come, come to understand about the reasons that they need a savior are maybe not as consequential to others as maybe some who have found themselves wrestling with characteristics and, and life's demons that can have its way and, and they understand darkness and despair. Are you tracking with me? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, it's some, you like, like you talk to some people and then you go talk to others and as you hear their story of life, you realize they have experienced darkness. And what we see here through scripture is the idea that Jesus came for all. The light for those who have tried to live by the rule and tried to live by the guide and others who have decided that maybe they took life into their own hands to go do whatever it is they wanted to do and now bear those marks. Jesus came for all. And when you begin to under, understand that, that's the principle of some who, the idea to those who have forgiven little, they understand that concept. Yeah, God is good. He's helping me. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. And then you, you find somebody who has been forgiven much and they, they leap and weep and, and cry because they understand the consequence that they've walked out. Are you tracking with me? This isn't a diminishment of anyone's salvation or experience, but this is about understanding that there is darkness and it, and it leaves its mark. And those who have ever experienced hopelessness, now I know in this room, by statistics and percentage, there are people in this room that have struggled with hopelessness. We've had conversations and people, people bring those to the office or to just do relationship message or, or right in the moment. I know that right here in this room, there are people who have even said or thought, I don't know if it can get any better. What's the point? What's the reason? And I'm here to tell you this morning, it can get better. Jesus is the way. Jesus came because God loved you. He came to give new life. He came to give new hope. He came to give fresh perspective. He came to, to, to set you in with the people that could love you and walk with you and, and, and be part of family. God knows who you are and he loves you. And for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whoever would believe would not perish. It's God's desire that you would embrace the one who is called hope. He's the reason for the season. See, God is about bringing a fresh perspective as well. 
He is the answer to our hopelessness. In Romans chapter five, verse one and two, this is the message translation. I I love how just at times it can capture certain things. It says, by entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with him. It makes us fit for him. We have it all together with God because of our master, Jesus. And that's not all. We throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his door to us. We find ourselves standing where we always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's grace and glory, standing tall and shouting our praise. God offered Jesus to us when we thought we were unfit and we were completely separated from him. It is our longing and desire to be in right relationship with him. Romans 5.8 said, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is a powerful text. This, this whole idea that God is the pursuer and the one who chases and the one who initiates tells us that he is out to make a way and tells us that your past is not your today and it's not your future, amen? Like there's a new word and there's a new name and there's a new identity that goes along. I love with the words that were shared this morning during worship, I thought four words, all dovetail, one, ever, one even read a scripture that I read to you today. And I thought, they preached. They preached the gospel. They, they, they gave you the story of the hope of Christmas. They gave you the story that hope has come. They, they, they gave to you the reason that it's a new day. It, it's a new thing that God has come to say, I have paid the way. You no longer have to suffer under self-condemnation and shame I'll take that. You are my daughter and my son. And you listen to what I say about who you are. It's really good to get that perception. Some people, we all can still struggle. We, we, We can still show the marks at times for poor decisions being made and the consequences thereof. We can also lean into the good things of Christ and we begin to reap the good things of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But either way, the gospel is clear that we're to lean into him. And if we find ourselves where we've fallen short, rebelled, poor decisions, you know what the scriptures ask us to do? They ask us to repent, to turn away, to lay that stuff down. And, and I heard a phrase years ago that said, if you fall, make sure you fall falling forward into Jesus. It isn't the idea that we can make it to, to God on our own. It's the idea that we understand that we can't make it without him. And we're imperfect people seeking after him. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 through 20, it says, This hope is like a firm and steady anchor for our souls. In fact, hope reaches behind the curtain and into the most holy place. Jesus has gone there ahead of us, and he is our high priest forever. Jesus is hope. John Piper, a pastor who ministers to pastors and people, he put it this way. If we only knew it, every one of us is stranded 
on an ice face in Greenland, and the wind is blowing fiercely. Our position is so precarious that even if we inhale too deeply, our weight will shift, and we will plunge to our destruction. God comes to us and says in that moment, I will save you and protect you from the storm. But there's a condition. Your heart sinks. You know you can't meet conditions. Your face is flat against the ice. Your fingernails are dug in. You can feel yourself giving way. You know that if all you do is move your lips, you're going to fall. You know that there is nothing you can do for God. Then he speaks the gospel command, my requirement, he says, is that you hope in me. It's that simple. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. You know, we're talking about the idea that he has come and we're, we're celebrating this, this infant that has arrived, this God-man in hypostatic union. It's, it's, it's come to save the world from their sins. It starts here. This was Mary's confession. This is why they leapt and cried out and rejoiced at the idea that all of humanity had a way to be saved. He was here. We celebrate December 25th, but hope has come, and his name is Jesus. And everybody said, amen. 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 Be blessed. Have a great week.